Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, September 27th, 2021. On the show today, news, food reviews of Space 220, BOMA, and more. And in our main segment, I asked Jim a hypothetical question about Disney Vacation Club. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that he barely knew Tim Kono. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Oh, only murders in the building. I love Are you this watching show. this show? Oh, God, am I watching this show. <laughs> I, I have been on board since August 31st when it dropped on Hulu. But who isn't watching it? Supposedly, it was the highest rated comedy premiere in Hulu history. As a New Yorker, you, you have to be in really enjoying this show. The funny thing about the show is it's set in the Upper West Side, mm -hmm. which is when I'm in New York where I live. But the way that they've captured the actual things that supposedly go on in these buildings is, is very funny. So uh, in Only Murders uh, in the Building, mm -hmm. there's this gag where Tim Kono had a fireplace dispute with Sting. Right. That's one of the setups between the, the character that died mm -hmm. and Sting, the musician, had a dispute over fireplaces. But did you, do you know the, where that actually came from, that little tidbit? Jim? No, no. In real life, mm -hmm. the musicians Billy Squire and Bono had a dis they live in the same building in mm -hmm. New York, and uh, I believe it's the Dakota. They had a dispute over, I think it was Billy Squire's fireplace and that went on for years and cost tons of money in legal fees and basically upset everyone in the building. So that little reference, that little like, you know, two line thing actually happened in real life. But instead of Sting, it was Bono, which I think is just hysterical because if you were going to, if you're going to pick someone to play, like, I don't want to use the word uptight, but mm -hmm. like English musician or, or, a, or a European musician who wants things in a certain way mm -hmm. and it couldn't be Bono, Sting would be my next choice. What I actually love about this show is, is the moments where it really does sort of dovetail into my real life. There was, I want to say in the first episode or thereabouts, there was that scene where Charles Steve Martin's character is trying to reach out to Mabel, who's a millennial. And yeah. so he turns to Martin Short's character and it's like, should I text or call her? And Oliver takes a second <laughs> and then says, calls bothered them for some reason. And it's like, calls bothered them for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> that I like. Or, or where they're showing actual podcast recording. Oh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and Martin Short will tell Steve Martin, okay, say that again, but enunciate. Or you're a little <laughs> soft or something like that. Or why are we recording in a, in a closet? Like every every time there's an actual discussion about the the sound mm -hmm. of the podcast, I get these Vietnam flashbacks, <laughs> where it's like me, you, and Aaron talking oh, about uh, God, yes, God <laughs> talking yes. about how we sound. <laughs> only downside to uh, only mutters in the building is we're at this point. I want to say we're six episodes in, only four to go. Four to go, yeah. No, yes, no, no. season finale airs October nineteenth. But and by the way, I don't know. So you saw what T Steve Martin tweeted out. The murder of Tim Kono will be revealed at the end of season one. And, and that's the other good news. Did you see just last week that they got picked up for a second season? No, I didn't see it. Oh, that's fantastic. So a second yeah. season is in the works. I think this is one of the best shows that's come out recently. If guys, if, uh, for our listeners who haven't seen it, it's called Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu. And it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, who I find adorable in this show. Yeah, back when she was doing Wizards of Waverly Place... Yeah. She was the one Disney kid I kept hearing 
from people who worked at the network. Oh my God, she's wonderful to work with. She was actually, when they bring kids in to have their own shows, they'd literally, okay, you have to go talk to Selena because she will explain what's about to happen to you and how you can handle it. And so few of them listen to her. But wonderful show, well worth it just for the life lessons, folks. And after all, no one ever brings anyone a turkey with bad intentions. <laughs> no one ever gives it. It's true. That's one of the running gags from the uh, from the show. Yeah, fantastic show. Folks, if you haven't uh, seen it yet, it's called Only Merge in the Building. It's on Hulu. New episodes come out on Tuesdays. It is must-see television. All right, Jim, let's bring in our special guest for this show. It's Christina, who's going to be telling us about new food happenings around Walt Disney World. How's it going, Christina? And Star Wars. And Star New Wars, Star that's right. All right, but but save that because we have to do the subscriber acknowledgement first. Thanks to new subscribers, OTL Rules, Mitch the Jedi, and Ed in Dorchester, and longtime subscribers, Jay Motts, Cole Ormsby, and Matt Leslie. Jim, these are the folks who sit in the sidecar if you don't have anyone to ride with you on Hagrid's magical motorbike adventure over at Universal's Islands of Adventure. They say it adds to motorcycle safety, and honestly, it's just nice to get out and meet new people. True story. I'm so hoping that in this trip in October, I finally actually get to to ride this. I think I've said this on the show. I'm, I'm 0 for 3. Every time I go, it breaks down. All right, folks, let's do the news. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. By the way, Jim, we're doing an event November 12th through the 15th in Walt Disney World with Storybook Destinations. How do people learn more about this event? Head over to storybookdestinations.com and reach out to the, the ever-lovely Tammy. She will explain the particulars. We've had apparently more than 100 people sign up. Okay, well. <laughs> no pressure or anything. <laughs> okay. I'll get dance, on. monkey, dance! <laughs> <laughs> okay, now remember, you have to bring the little machine to wind, otherwise exactly. I, have, I need music to dance. Exactly. So. All right, let's jump into the news. Uh, last Thursday, which is the day we're recording this, Rise of the Resistance over at Disney's Hollywood Studios started running a regular standby line instead of boarding groups. And not coincidentally, Christina was there for it. Christina, how'd it go today? Okay, I should tell everybody I've never seen Star Wars. And yeah, you literally don't know anything about the movie. <laughs> and I've never been on Rise. I'm the only person on the team. I had to put this caveat on Instagram. Like everybody else really knows what they're talking about. I'm not even allowed to really talk about Ronto raps or anything because I'm just not qualified. Everything else is my jam. Star Wars, not my jam. So you were like, hey, go get a bunch of actuals. No problem. May as well ride the thing while I'm there, right? Sure. It was fantastic. Like I was figuring before I had to get on the little um, great space coaster thing. Like I got into where the little circle robot was. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. I don't want to interrupt you. But for any of our listeners who are Star Wars fans, if you're driving, now would be the time to pull over. No, I'm going to the watch them. I'm going to watch them because – then you move into the next section and like the frog gentleman is telling you not to like give up the secret of the base. But like, I don't know you like that. And honestly, <laughs> the guy in the hood, I would have told him if I knew where the base was. So it was awesome. The standby queue was I did a little like 
very poor drawing on uh, on my phone of where the queue was. The first one, um, I waited in line like 72 minutes or something like that. What time did you get in line? Well, I got in line for the first time at exactly 9.24. And at that point, the end of the line was at Star Tours. Okay. Okay. That was the first time. Now, it, it was never that far back. The rest of the day. Oh, another caveat real fast, because this was something that I didn't see anybody else address, but I know it's important to a, a lot of our viewers and subscribers. The DAS line is open and is mm-hmm. active. I confirmed it at the ride. I confirmed it at guest relations with two cast members. So you do not have to wait 71 minutes or whatever. If you are registered, you get your return time and you come back. Okay. So that was right. my first time. It was 924 and I waited about 72 minutes. All right, so pause. So the um when the park opened, the initial wait time or soon after the park opened, the posted wait time was 120 minutes. You yeah. waited how long? 72. I okay. submitted it whatever it is on the app. I think it was 72. 73 is what I say. Was it? Cool. Was it 924, yeah. The yeah. the interesting thing about that is somebody got in line 4 minutes before you. And only waited 35 minutes. So in that four minutes between 920 and 924, roughly 800 people got in line. I can show you a picture of all 800 of those. Yeah, they had a a switch back to the queue at the Muppets, which was really awesome because I haven't seen those posters in years. Mm. And they had us backstage on both sides, switchbacks on both sides. And that was the only time today because I went two more times after that that they had us way back there right so you you got off the uh, the ride around 1045 when and then soon after that uh, while, while that was happening the the wait time actually hit 220 minutes posted at 945 a.m that is but, why I got a Ronto wrap and I took a little break <laughs> I took a little break exactly <laughs> the um but but it looks like that was a, a a fairly large overestimate because an hour later, the people who got in line at ten forty five only waited between thirty three and thirty six minutes to ride. So there was a lull after that initial rush, where the posted wait time said a hundred, the actual waits were thirty five ish, and then you got in line again around eleven thirty. And my actual, the second time was only 59 minutes. I submitted right. that at 1226. Steve had a, Steve Bloom, our statistician, had a really good point because I was asking, There, it was chaos out front a, a little bit. Now, I will say the cast members were supremely organized all the way through the park. Mm-hmm. The only chaos I saw was with the wait time. So mm-hmm. MDE would say one thing, the standby digital sign would say would match right Mm -hmm. but then the lollipop sign and then the which is the little pole that they hold up sure and and then what the cast members were actually saying were wildly different yeah for example 75 minutes mde 75 on the standby sign 100 minute posted on the lollipop cast member saying this is 100 minutes it's 100 (laughs) minutes and we've seen you know small differences in the past with the little physical sign that they're holding the, the lollipop sign and then what's posted sure. never like this. And so it, was, it almost felt intentional because they did have so many cast members right there at the entrance at the lightning lane sign, like hollering out what the lollipop sign said, even though mm-hmm. it was vastly different from what was posted. 
And I know it's the first day. Steve's point was it's the first day they have no clue. First day. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, am, I am reminded of the saying, uh, a man with two watches never knows what time it is. <laughs> a man with two wait times never knows how long the line is. But that was the only confusion. But the rest of it was really well organized. And it looks like um, wait times continued to be moderate throughout the rest of the day. I noticed that it, right before 3 p.m., there was an actual wait time submitted of 24 minutes. That's awesome. At 3 o'clock, there was a 20-minute wait. Uh, unfortunately, the ride broke down around 3.30. So that's going to affect standby wait times for the rest of the day. But it looks like the actual wait times in the line were nowhere near. Mm-mm. what the posted wait time said. Number two, mm-hmm. those are actually pretty decent waits in line. I mean, if, if somebody told me... Said, yeah, I would, yeah, I would myself, having never seen Star Trek, Star Wars, I would <laughs> I would definitely wait 71 minutes. It was such a great ride. And I am going to watch the movies. You start with... Um, it's uh, The first one's called Star Wars. <laughs> it's uh, episode four. Um, now, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I asked for recommendations on Instagram and what did we get 120 responses and probably 120 different recommendations like give or take of what order i should watch them in which one should i skip very firm ideas out there yeah a lot of people have very very firm ideas about what uh what what you should watch with yeah definitely all right well thank you for doing that i appreciate it chrissy jim what's been interesting is watching people speculate about why today as in you do this start the standby line on a Thursday, and mm-hmm. is this traditionally a fairly light day at Disney Hollywood Studios? Because I, I know they were, were making a point to the effect of, you know, we're still a week to 10 days out from the actual uh, start of the anniversary and better to get mm-hmm. experience under their belt well before, the, you know, the, in theory, the crowd show up for the anniversary. I think that's exactly it. Um, I think that they wanted to get a few days of practice in before the 50th anniversary happens. I mean, you know, the 50th isn't going to be focusing on the studios because we've got Remy opening at Epcot. Mm-hmm. We've got all the stuff going on in the Magic Kingdom. I do think that running standby at Rise now gives them a few extra days to practice that. Also gives them a couple of days to make sure that the virtual queue actually works at Remy. True. My personal theory here is that in Walt Disney World, my D- Disney experience can only handle one thing at a time in terms of virtual queues. Ooh. And that's why we had to turn it off of Rise and turn it on for me. Leaving aside the fact that Rise doesn't apparently need a boarding group now, other than for the uh, the fact that it breaks down every day. Um, so that, that was my theory there. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Let's see if that um, bears Jim, out. Speaking of, other, of attraction news, we also heard this week that PhilharMagic is getting a scene from Coco. Yes. Yes. Got to actually interview the director of this edition. And it's kind of an intriguing choice. If you, you think about it, Every other film that they've previously put into Mickey's PhilharMagic is a Disney title. This is the first Pixar, and it's a, a relatively recent Pixar. And, and Pixar isn't exactly known for its musicals, so the fact that they had to pick one of their films that had a musical number. So they went with Coco. When this new scene debuts in uh, Mickey's PhilharMagic, When the theater comes back up, it's going to have a brand new state-of-the-art digital projection system. Uh, Likewise, they'll have beefed up the sound. So in a lot of ways, it's not just an extended entertainment experience. It's really a step up in quality. I'm going to be intrigued to hear what folks have to say about it because this version uh, has been playing out in California at Disney's California Adventure 
for a number of months at this point. Also, it's also been running in Paris. But for World, it was just, we need reasons for people to come here for the 50th. Or things we can point to is that, hey, something new for the 50th. So they kind of held this in reserve, and here we are. It also helps that uh, PhilharMagic is lightly utilized right now. But getting a new scene will drag some people in and away from other attractions. So that's always a good thing. Certainly. Yep. Also, another news this week, the Space 220 restaurant finally opened in Epcot. Jim, you and I had bets on as, as to whether this would ever happen, period. Apparently, uh, apparently I was wrong and that it did actually open. Apparently, the restaurant is not actually built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> I, I thought it was. But Chrissy, you went, right? I did. And I never support your more cynical views, Leonard. But I have to say, I never do. I always I always want to, you know, maybe it's the Instagram side of me. I want to look at the happy side. It was a complete surprise that there were going to be people bolting. I do not enjoy having to run at Rope Drop anymore. I mean, we did that back in the day when we were much younger and <laughs> headed to Space Mountain, right? Sure. That anxiety is still there. Like, I haven't felt that in many a year. I did not enjoy it. So they let us. And, and, sorry, the reason the reason why you had to run was because when Disney didn't do advanced reservations for Space yes. 220 the first oh, week it was the open. The first week, right. Also, we had no clue. Well, obviously, they didn't have a clue if they were going to like take our names and it was, you know, you get a return time or do you just muscle in the door? So. For the first time in many years, I found myself tapping into Epcot going like, come on, you know, like yelling at old people. Not really, but in my <laughs> head, in my head, I'm screaming, like, put your finger on the, you know, so fine. <laughs> so we get in and I'm probably on one of those videos running because, you know. You're probably on a training video for Epcot now saying, I'm see this? Sure. I'm sure I am, right? I'm like jumping over strollers. Not really, but in my head. So (laughs) we get there and they stop us right there at Guardians of the Galaxy, which we know is coming out in six years. And they stop us there and then they rope drop us at 1030. And then at 1030, like there's no pretense of y'all got to walk. No, no, we take off in a sprint, like weaving in and out of scooters and stuff. Okay, we get to the restaurant, which is right next to Mission Space. We get there, and there's a stage, and Mickey and Minnie, and they had the smoke was clearing because they had done like the official opening. And literally, the cast members are looking at each other and shrugging their shoulders. Like, I why? Know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because guests are asking, what are we doing? What do we do? Like, do we give you our names? Do we wait in line? Where do we go? What happens? So between 10.32 and 11 a.m., they decided what was going to happen. You don't like to make these decisions too far in advance. Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be locked in. Like the day before, because it, it sort of it ruins the magic of the opening where it's like to me, to me, the opening of a Disney restaurant is just filled with possibilities. How will we handle guests? I have no idea. What's even on the menu? No clue. Should we open now? In an hour? Three days from now? These are all excellent questions. And then defining the answers to those questions (laughs) deprives you 
of the tingle of excitement when all answers are possible. So a lovely cast member told me, hey, we appreciate you being patient. It wasn't supposed to be like this. We were going to take reservations, but then we decided not to. You know what? I appreciate the honesty because I don't think that this is how. Okay. So that said, as chaotic and unorganized. Yeah, you've jogged over. You've bi- you've built up an appetite at least. Oh, well, no, the anxiety was, I did not want anything at that point. I was <laughs> really stressed because I'm thinking like, I'm not doing this every day, guys. Like I got to get in today. I got to get pictures today. Right. So I'm thinking like, am I here till six o'clock, nine o'clock? I don't know. It's 1030. I don't know. It's fine. So they do let us go and I managed to get, you know, towards the front and it's fine. I don't think anybody was injured. It was okay. <laughs> no, one, no one was visibly bleeding. Uh, 75 minutes later, I get to go in. Now, it has to be said, as chaotic and unorganized and just ridiculous as outside was, the inside and, and the cast members from the minute you check in were the exact opposite. Like, this is a well-oiled machine. Really? well-oiled, like nobody ventured off script. They knew what they were doing. I mean, it it did not feel like first day once you got past the exterior check-in desk. Okay. They knew what they were doing. It was whoever was crowd control out front. Where's the exterior check-in desk? Okay. So you you walk up, there's the sign, right? Okay. And you, you go to the very left of the sign and you go up against the wall, the curved wall. And then to your right, just out of your eyesight is a desk and it has, there's the sign. You should read our blog. There's a Well, sign. so um, Space 220 is located between Mission Space and Test Truck. There you go. Okay. So if you walk between those two, you see a giant curved wall, which we'll talk about what the curved wall means. No, but you look like you're walking to Mission Space. There was a lot of confusion on Instagram okay. about this. Okay. So you, you're going to go, like, you're going to head straight from Mission Space, but you're going to go to the far right of Mission Space. They did not do a good job of identifying lines and not great. They'll probably okay. change that. Okay, All so right. the check-in desk, the first check-in desk exterior is outside. You cannot see it from the queue, from the, the little sidewalk or any of that. You have to go around the corner. Okay. There they will have a cast member take you down this hidden hallway that's it's outside um there are walls but you know it's, it's uncovered around mm-hmm. a corner into mm-hmm. the building of the restaurant into the lobby does it feel like this is going to be the path that everyone walks or was this a no, temporary no, one? okay okay it is it's the path okay yeah because then you walk into this really sleek lobby it's really nice and again okay. all of these cast members super on theme. I mean, they were, they were on stage and they knew their parts and the cast member, um, I won't say his name. Major Tom. Mm-hmm. There Major we go. Tom said, we have been practicing this for so long. Cause I said, how on earth? I, like I've been to a lot of recent openings, reopenings. Right. And mm-hmm. yo, this seems like this is a really, you got this down. And he said, we've been practicing for so long. And I tried <laughs> to get like an exact number out of him, but he wouldn't tell me. Okay. But that's awesome. They knew what they were doing. <laughs> okay. So you go in the lobby, right? There's two yep. sides. They give you a boarding pass. 
The boarding pass means nothing. It's sort of like when you go on Millennium Falcon and you get your gun or your body. You don't get that anymore right. in the olden days. Um, but that actually meant something, right? Because you were going to be the mm-hmm. gunner. Okay. Here, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a little laminated card. It's fun to take a picture of. But they'll they'll put you on either the right or the left side. And mm-hmm. then there's this um, little half circle of booths. And they have chargers, USB ports, very sleek beautiful design very it's sterile but like in a space way you know okay so this is where you're this is where you stand before you head off to your table this is the reception area but it's before you get on your elevator you're not there yet you're still in epcot okay not left earth okay so it's really neat um it has the little signs on the side that say race to space elevate your dining you know Mm. you excited Okay. And again, very on themes, got the little funky lights and all that stuff. Then they call your elevator. And it's sort of like they group you, sort of like they do at a hibachi restaurant. You know, it's everybody that's at your table. So it's everybody that's that's in your elevator. So then they take you to your elevator, right or left. And it's ours was very quiet, both, thank goodness. Mine was very, very quiet. And the idea here is that you're taking an elevator to space. Space, 220 miles up from Epcot. And so you can look down and then you can see the view like you're leaving Earth, you're leaving Epcot, or you look really? up. Really? Yes, it's the coolest thing. If you knew how to use Instagram, you could see my videos. They I, are I totally should. Is it like the hydrolators yes! uh, at the it seas? It is. It okay. is. That's exactly what I said. Okay. But it's just so much cooler. Like you can feel it when it's like whoosh 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 and you're passing the little mile markers does it feel does it actually feel like you're moving does the elevator vibrate and stuff yes it is i would go back just for that for just to ride the elevator and how is the how are the graphics like is it believable that you know what what you're seeing have a 16 year old help you with instagram and go look at the reel i did or i'll send you the video it is can you print it out you put the I, video I, out I and then it, just mail it to me. I'll mail it. I'll fax it. Thanks. I said this. I said this. And I know that, that Disney has the world's greatest media team. Like they have better camera equipment than I do. Mm-hmm. Nothing does it justice. Like nothing. Disney didn't even do a good job of showing. You just can't. The, the visuals are so stunning in person. I tried yeah. really hard to take some good pictures and some good video doesn't even come close to capturing it Not wow even. how about that mm-hmm. okay. um, like we got off the elevator and we were clapping hmm. <laughs> for real like, i mean that's that was that's awesome a... this All right, is that's totally fantastic eight. so you get off the elevator you're there you're 220 miles up in space already i'm excited like i don't even care if they give me goldfish <laughs> i'm so excited right because it was the coolest and i haven't seen anything like that so neat and you know you if you're a Disney yeah, this could be space elevator to Bucky's and you'd be fine, right? <laughs> All right, don't play about Bucky's. Bucky's no, I'm not playing about Bucky's. Uh, dude, no, I, yeah, nothing but respect for them. Beaver right. nugs, yeah, that's no joke. Okay, Ooh. so there's a um, hydroponic spinning lettuce field <laughs> to your left that is the coolest thing. Took pictures, took video, not even close to doing justice. So really? I thought you know what? I don't care what the food is like. I'm coming back on my own for this. Like you paid for Monday, but I <laughs> oh, would, did I? Okay. <laughs> but I would, I would spend my money on this just to see. I got to show Dion, my husband. I got to show him the elevator. It's the coolest thing ever. All right. Okay. So you sit down and again, small details that it, it's impossible to capture. 
We were seated. So when you first walk in, you walk in to the right is the bar. Right now, the bar reservations only. Okay. And okay. let's talk about after the 27th because it doesn't, right now is they're just doing. Walk-in. Yeah. The show, the show is coming out on the 27th. So yeah. Okay. Just, you know. On the 27th, you can get reservations, right? They're all gone, but you can get reservations. Yeah. More importantly, the lounge area will be walk up only. And nice. I think, yeah, there are 20, I counted all the tables. So that looked super normal. 15. There are 15 tables in the lounge area. As soon okay. as you walk in to the right, they have a different menu. It's all a la carte. You do not have to have the fixed price menu. And some of the things are different, like deviled eggs, things like that. While we were there, it's all reservations. The bar at some point will be going to walk up only, um, sort of like Topolino's okay. and Citrico's. But for the foreseeable future, for the 27th, mm-hmm. it will be part of the reservations. Only the lounge we walk up only. Okay. Okay. And then there are the best seats in the house, which we didn't get, and we had really great seats. There are 22 booths at the window that have the best view. That's the window view. And from your blog post photos, the impression I got was that the real interior of Space 220 looked pretty close to the concept art that Disney had released. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, it it did look better, right? It it wasn't look like, it didn't look like they were, um, you know, this was like the high school drama club's rendition of concept art. Okay. No. I don't know why it's so hard to capture. I don't understand all of that, but I just know that I, I mean, I tried really hard to take good pictures and video and it just didn't. It's so, you have to go. You gotta go. Okay. So so let's talk about the food real quick. Okay. You You ate food. We ate a lot of food. First thing, even the small details, super impressive, like the silverware, it looks like just whatever, meh, but it's super sleek. It is deceptively heavy. Like it's very modern. Everything was. The hmm. the plates, yeah, the water pitcher, they, they nailed this. Okay, the food. They have a lot of like bubbly drinks, you know, fun cocktails and things. Okay. They are super strict about the... Nobody um, over the age of nine gets a kid's meal because with the kid's meal, you get a sipper. It's a really cool rocket sipper. You get the placemat with the crayons and then you get trading cards. The way around that is you order a non-alcoholic beverage and you get trading cards with that because we don't want to take kid's meal sippers away from the kids. Right. Yeah. I will be bringing my eight-year-old child back and will be forcing her to order a kid's meal, but that's a separate. Separate thing. Yeah. Pay for that on my own. Um, so we did get the trading cards, really cool, bubbly, fun drinks. That's probably not a big deal, but the big deal is the lobster globe. It's $18 and I'll make a Lentasta prediction that there is zero chance that this stays at $18 for more than- (laughs) It's probably already not $18. Six months, zero chance. And how did you find this thing on the menu? Is it, is it like listed as an appetizer? Is it? No. Um, let me see what it's listed under. Because all of the all of, as you looked it up, all of the food items have a space name to it, like the Gamma Hamburger or something like that. They're all they've all got sort of cliche names okay, that you'd well, expect to see at Sci-Fi it Dining. It's um, Space Station Supplemental, and that's the title of the section. But there's only one thing, and it's the Galactic Lobster Globe. Honestly, it looks like a 1970s terrarium. I kind of dig the architecture of 1970s terrarium, so that's terrariums. Well, that's fine. In um, 
Jim's going to know exactly what this is, but you know the scene in Spaceship Earth where like the Beyonce scientist is looking at her reports in her really cool boots? Okay. Sweet. Okay. More importantly, it was a gigundous amount of lobster. Like I kept fishing it out. Like surely there's no more lobster. There was. I don't know if that was like opening day. We super want yeah. to impress you. And it should be said that you paid full price for this meal and we did not get immediate invite. Okay. Oh, I oh I paid full price for it, did I? You did. Well, I <sighs> used my discount. I helped you a little. But, okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> um, I am filled with integrity for, for paying full price for that. I feel good. Well, we don't we don't get free stuff. So I know, we, we, we got stuff. some yeah, comments about, you know, oh, people are only saying this is good because they want to get keep getting free stuff from Disney. I'm like, where, like, where, where's that, that line? Where, where's, where's, wait, 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 you can get free stuff from Disney? <laughs> I did not appreciate having to run and then wait like five minutes. So. And then pay for the food. And, uh, well, all right, so you've had the lobster. What else, okay. uh, what else did you order for? What did you order for appetizers? Um, appetizers. Okay. The starry calamari. Starry calamari. <laughs> I do like the fact that the first two things you ordered are lobster claws and calamari, both of which you could kind of see in, in a, like a 1950s sci-fi film as being like, you know, aliens, like the calamari that ate Brooklyn as a film title. I think that'd be, yeah, it I could get that. seems like the... You guys obviously are going to know better than me, but it seems I got the vibe that this was intentionally kitschy. Yeah, I think so. And I like it. Like, okay. All right. So calamari. Okay. Big Bang Barada, which was gorgeous and lovely and soft and beautiful. Big Bang Barada. Um, Calamari, the Neptuna Tartar. Neptuna. (laughs) And then the Space Greens. Which was a lovely salad. Is that the hydroponic stuff? I don't know if it was. I know it was delicious. It All was right. beautiful. So you had four four uh, appetizers: the lobster, the calamari, the burrata. Yes, and the salad. What was the f- and of those four, which one did you like best? I just say the tartar because it was immaculate mm-hmm. and plentiful. And again, I don't see, I know people were complaining about the prices, but when you see how much food you're getting and the quality of the food, okay. I don't see the prices staying this low. I, this is, this, this was my feeling about, uh, what was the, the last place that I, you and I went to? Oh, uh, Crippery de Perry. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah where that's, that's just not going to stay. happening. I okay. hope it does. All right. So of the four appetizers, you like the, the tuna yeah, best. What did you like least? Is there anything that you wouldn't order again in terms of appetizers? Well, no, I would still order the calamari. I would not eat the spicy marinara because it was so spicy. Like it, it made my face hurt. Mm. And do you think, do you think that that was intentional from the kitchen? Or you think it was just like, we don't know how spicy this is. No, it was because the roasted pepper citrus aioli was the yin and yang. Like it was creamy uh, okay, okay. and, and salty and wonderful and delicious. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. So that's good to know. Um, it is nature's warning sign, so don't eat the right. <laughs> Did um, all, but all of the appetizers were cooked properly, the right temperature. They were immaculate, like so beautifully okay. presented, and and then the lobster is just there's zero chance it's going to stay at eighteen dollars. It was so much. I mean, you can't get it. I don't think you can get a lobster sandwich for eighteen dollars, <laughs> and and there's these days because lobsters lobsters tough to to come by, but. 
my feeling on all of this is that, yeah, things will change by the time I, I get there on Monday or today. It's that too. Because if you look at the amount of lobster and the quality that you get at like hops and barley. Right, right, right. $11 or something ridiculous. Like it's a lot of money. This yeah, is but it's only $7 more and it's, yeah, okay. And it is a huge plate of giant pieces. It's not like, and this stuff was not frozen. Like it didn't have the, you know how you can tell when lobster's been frozen and then mm-hmm. this uh-huh. is good stuff. No way it's going to stay $18. So, oh, sorry. So get that. Okay. okay. Main so then main courses. What did you, um, what were the, your options for main courses? Um, tuna, salmon, burger, steak, chicken, um, pasta, and pasta. So I won't read you all the silly names, but we got the burger, the Centauri okay. burger, because that's the name of the space station that you're going to, right? The roasted free range chicken and the flat iron steak. So steak, oh. chicken, and the burger. And okay. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get stuff most people would probably get. Right. Fair. Okay. Yeah. I do have to go back for dinner, but I'm, I'll go with you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it has to be said these are the best French fries I've ever had in my entire life, other than the Canfield Fair in Youngstown, Ohio. Really, the best French fries ever. Youngstown. French fries. They're, they're not just French fries. Somebody took a giant Idaho potato and cut it in quarters and then somehow got the crispiest exterior without greasy frying, also beautifully seasoned, nicely salty. And then the inside is basically mashed potatoes. It was so – it's huge. It's huge. If, like that alone could be a meal. Were they double cooked? Is that how they – or double fried? Is that how they did it? It is a mystery. It is because I've seen, well, you've seen, you've seen recipes for like the crunchiest roast potatoes ever that involve, it's a three-step process. The first part is boiling. Well, I'm going to research it now because I got to know how to do this. So it's, it's boil, roast, fry, but then you flash fry at the end. Whatever. Heavenly goodness. I don't know. It's a mystery. Um, The burger is giant. It has a lovely aioli on it. I loved it. That said, that was my least favorite, and I absolutely loved it. And I would go back for the burger, but that was the least favorite, my least favorite thing. So you would you would eat again the least favorite thing that you had. That's how great it was. That's I mean, fantastic. Not, nothing wow. here is fancy. Like this is not Citrico's where we're macerating strawberries to put in a circle of frisé. You know, this is not <laughs> with <laughs> English tea infused cheese. This is not fancy. Like you're gonna know. It. Everything on your plate. This is American food with kitschy names, excellently prepared in the most wonderful atmosphere. So it's familiar food prepared well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Beautifully done. The flat iron steak was so good. Like that was one of those moments where I forgot I was supposed to be working, taking pictures. And I I was like, this crust, what is this crust? It's (laughs) it's like a a coffee rub. And then it had like super high heat because the steak was medium rare and it was Mm -hmm. still medium rare. Like it was correct. Oh, nice. But, oh, it was so good. And it was a lot. And then the the au jus, so good. The au jus came with the steak? Yes, it was amazing. It was really good. And again, nothing looked funny. wasn't like the pickiest eaters would definitely find something here. Definitely. Fantastic. So of the of the three entrees that you had, what did you like best? The flat iron steak and the chicken, and you can't make me pick one. 
Okay, and the chicken you had mentioned in your notes was yeah, a lot like similar to the yeah, it was like a chicken roll. Yeah. Okay, and a roulade is it's rolled up, it's got a skin, it's fried. So good. It was it was that good. Yeah, I mean, you let's be honest. You know that some of the chicken we eat in the parks, little baby bricks, it's not good. Yeah, this is yeah. the opposite of that. Fantastic. So well done. I wonder if they're sharing a recipe there. All right. So then uh, real quick, uh, desserts. Okay. So desserts were interesting. Um, the sticky toffee pudding. I don't enjoy, although, is that what they called it? It was probably like galactic. No. Okay. No. Sticky toffee pudding cake, carrot cake, which was plant-based, and then the lemon mousse. So the carrot cake, the plant-based, is my favorite. I will get it again. It was delightful. Um, okay. Yeah, really deep flavor. It didn't taste like, you know how, like when you eat some plant-based things, no hate, no shade, it has like that funky afterbirth. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? It, it, it doesn't taste like the thing it purports to be. <laughs> All right. That's the intelligent way to say it. But it right. leaves that like <laughs> on your tongue where you're like. Yeah, this this the slightly off taste that tells you what it, that what you ate wasn't really what you thought it was. That's okay. an educated way to say that, but this mm-hmm. did not have that. Okay, good. This was like, oh my gosh, that was super good carrot cake and I loved it. Um, Plus, it's so pretty. So the sticky toffee pudding cake, I do not enjoy like a heavy treacle, like a, like a, what is it, like dark brown sugar flavor. Really? I don't, I know. How how did you and I grow up in the same family? (laughs) The family. Um, It was super sweet and it was lovely. And they pour the caramel over it, your, your cast member will. Um, so pretty, so good. Everybody loved it. I loved it. I liked it. It's just not my, that's not my profile. Where else did we have recently uh, bread pudding? Was it Citrico's as well? I feel like all we do is eat. I can't remember. No, Boma has the single greatest bread pudding. Oh, right, we'll talk about Boma in a second. Okay. All right. all right. The thing I wouldn't get, the one thing I was disappointed by in this whole entire experience Okay. A lemon mousse. And you know, I love a lemon. I love a citrus. I love a pecan. You do love a citrus. Yeah. No, it was too puckery. I was like, just too sour. Yep. Mm. Too much. Wow. All right. Well, they can, they can tone that down. I mean, because they're, um, even if they're adding in actual lemon juice or something to it, they can always tone that down a little bit. There's a balance there, right? Because I've had key lime flavored things that you can barely taste the lime on. So it's, yeah. I, I, get, I get the, okay. It's beautiful though. It has a chocolate rings. Oh, that's right. Isn't this one? Isn't this the one where you said the server told you, "Look, this is the prettiest dessert, but it doesn't taste the best." Yeah. So, Jim, you you and I have talked about this before, where half the stuff that Disney designs these days for food menus looks good on Instagram, but necessarily isn't there for its taste. Yeah. But again, we live in this age where photogenic food. Yeah. Does it look pretty when you set it down on the top of a trash can? You know, just sort of like. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> All right, so Space Two Twenty, you would definitely go again. And I am, as we speak today on Monday the twenty seventh, I am in town, so we should go to dinner sometime this week. Sold. And the other place you went, Boma, which we haven't talked about since reopening. Now, um, before you had gone there, I had given you a heads up about the manager, who's a little bit temperamental. No, she obviously (laughs) is not. No, no. Are we allowed to say her name? (laughs) <laughs> her name's Emily. Yeah, she's Emily a good friend of the show. She's a crazy person in the best sense. Yeah. Emily's fantastic. She's she a, does she's a, not play. Like, no, she does before not. Before I get into BOMA, I will say 
I had gone to Boma and all of that stuff. And then on opening day of Animal Kingdom Lodge, we were staying there, right? Because we had to right. do the room review. At 11.01, I went out to the bar because I was like, oh, let's have a cocktail, see what's going on at the bar, right? Because it's my job. So I went to the bar and I was like, hey, I'll have all the food items and then these two drinks. And they said, oh, there are no food items. We're not doing that now. You have to go inside to the Mara. Okay. By 11.05, Emily had that mess fixed. <laughs> <laughs> the One of the cast members at the bar was like, oh, I better let Emily know. Like three minutes later, I went on MDE and that mess was fixed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Emily doesn't play. She knows how to run a restaurant. She does. She needs to run all the restaurants, especially all the buffets. Every buffet could learn from Boma, for real. I've been back twice with my own money to Boma. Have you really? You've been back three. So you've been to Boma twice. three times since Rio. I've been wow. four, five times since Rio. Don't shame me. This is my job. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just. I'm, I'm saying that's <laughs> a, a lot of times. All right. So, so real quick, what would you recommend? Breakfast and dinner, all the things. All of it, literally all of the things. There's, yep. Is there is there anything there that uh, bad. I'm not playing? It is clean. Everybody knows the food at Boma is good, right? Like you don't need me to tell you about that. But real quick, the three things that I would highlight. Okay, the we went back opening day for breakfast and dinner, and the thing that stood out to me was how proud those cast members were. They came back fierce, like. Emily is like the Coach K of the Disney buffet world or something. Mm -hmm. Are you proud of my sports reference, P.S.? Okay. So they were telling all the guests that would listen how many years they had been at Boma. There were oh, four yeah. cast members at dinner that had been there since day one. Wow. That's, I mean, and, and the lovely gentleman who was making the ribs, it's a new recipe. He made... Dion and I, my husband and I stand there while he told us this is a new recipe and it takes three hours and you didn't have these ribs last time. So you need to try these ribs. <laughs> it wasn't a question or a suggestion or an offer. It was an order. And oh, yeah. You're going to come try these ribs and then you're going to move on. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get some ribs and then <laughs> keep it moving to the left. It's like going to like your favorite uncle's cookout. Like, no, no, really, seriously, you have to try these ribs and then no, go on, do what you need to do. Yeah. They came back hard. Like they had something to prove and they were very, oh, that's fantastic. like you could tell they yeah. knew what they were doing. They weren't messing around with masks. That's awesome. Like I felt super safe. They were changing out, serving utensils. They were monitoring everything. Could not be happier. And I, I cannot recommend it enough. I can't wait All for right. you to go. And you also did um, breakfast there as well, right? Yes. I've done it a few times. What, um, what would you recommend for breakfast? The pap and then the roasted tomatoes and the ev everything. Am I allowed to say You mentioned the turkey babuti. <gasps> so good. What is that exactly? It's heavenly goodness. It's eggs and veg and turkey. Like a hash? No, it's more like a frittata. It's more like a frittata. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Crispy okay. edges. Really? Yep. Fantastic. And they don't All play. Right. Like when stuff starts getting low, they're right there. They're cleaning, they're wiping, they're swiping, they're replacing. Fast. It's nice. That's awesome. So it's clean, uh, no concerns about it being a buffet in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, no. And I did have concerns with other buffets. I don't know if we're getting into that. But like Boma, no. because Emily is firm in her <laughs> I don't know the right way to say this. 
that, that, that's she a good way of like she yeah. is. Um, yeah. No, there's no playing. And I felt very safe there. I did yeah. not have that experience at other places. Emily runs a tight ship. So the interesting thing about this is you went and you said good things about it. I was updating the unofficial guide last week, looking at the survey results for BOMA, and it is 97% thumbs up since it reopened, which is amazing. And, and frankly, I need to know who that one out of the 33 yes! people or whatever that were, like, who hurt you? Like, what, if BOMA can't make you happy, can anything Emily's going to hunt them down and hurt them. Yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the helper. Send me your name. Right. Yeah. The next question I'm going to get is, okay, I just need an email address. I don't need anything else. There we go. <laughs> you let me know. I take care of it. All right. That's fantastic. All right. And I know you ate at a couple of other places, but for time, we're going to have to have you come back. The two places were Beer Garden and Crystal Palace, right? Yeah. Can we just say Crystal Palace was scary and should be shut down? Uh, uh, if you want to summarize it, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it later on. There. No, that's Thank enough. For, uh, that's all you need to know. Don't yeah, go. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, but Beer Garden you liked. I loved Beer Garden. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, we'll have you uh, back on the show, and we'll also talk about the new food booths that have opened up at uh, Food & Wine, right? Delightful. Thank you for having me on, Jim. No, no, no. Always great to have you on, Grizzy. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I asked Jim a hypothetical question about Disney Vacation Club. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Today we were going to talk about what Walt Disney World was like exactly 50 years ago today. But the something interesting happened in between, and so we're going to push off that show for a week. Mm-hmm. And the interesting that happened is this. A friend of mine, who's going to remain nameless, but somebody who I trust implicitly, happened to be sitting in a location in a major city that happens to be a hub for financial activity. I'm not going to mention the city because that might narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this person was sitting in this city at a place where other people congregated. There were three gentlemen next to my friend. The three gentlemen who were from three individual investment firms, and if I need to tell the names later, I will, mm-hmm. three different in, uh, financial firms were posing this question. If Disney sold off their vacation club to another entity, what would the terms of that sale be? And so my my friend immediately called me and said, hey, guess what these people are talking about? And like, where are they from? So he was able to ask some questions about it. But Jim, mm-hmm. hypothetically, I thought this would be an interesting question for you. Hypothetically, if Disney was going to sell its DVC business, what would be in it for Disney besides you know just the cash? We could get kind of a Disney store reset. Just in the, the past 30 days, we've had 57 Disney stores close in North America. Right. That leaves only 25 in, in the chain. And in fact, our local Disney store at the Merrimack Premium Outlet uh, closed on the 15th. And 
I thought for sure that one would survive because it literally was an outlet. It was where all of the stores, when they didn't sell stuff, would end up here. But no, that one closed too. And, and to, to go from 25 in North America, if we jump back to 1997, there were 749 Disney stores in North America alone. Virtually wow. every mall had its own Disney store. But Disney learned the hard way that there was such a thing as way too many Disney stores, that they had exceeded consumer demand. And what followed was a fairly brutal couple of years where executives then attempted to right-size the operation. And in the process, they shuttered nearly 60% of the Disney stores in North America. And even at that point, the company was still struggling to turn a profit with its Disney store operations. And let's be honest, Disney, it had been a while since they had a Lion King. Frozen wouldn't show up till 2013. So in October of 2004, Disney did the unthinkable. It entered into an agreement with the Children's Place chain of retail stores. And at that time, Children's Place agreed to acquire the Disney store chain and then operate the now remaining 313 stores under a long-term licensing agreement. Okay. So at that point, Disney store was Disney store named, but Children's Place was handling all of the day-to-day operations. And through their hoop retail uh, operation, they went through the Disney story. I mean, this was uh, this is a retail chain that effectively went through chemotherapy. By the mid-1990s, the Disney stores had gone from, I mean, I, I remember when these things opened in, in 87 and Disney bragged about how they had the most sales per square foot of any store in the mall. I remember this, yeah. And then over time... The mission got muddled. Suddenly, the stores were perceived as the ambassadors for the park, or for that point, they were the place where people were introduced to the latest Disney film or the the new Disney afternoon show, and they just kind of lost their way. Do you remember when you could get theme park passes in the Disney store? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Children's Place, over four years, they retooled the layout of the stores. They became that much more aware of what consumers actually wanted as they walked in from the rest of the mall and retooled the stock and that sort of thing. And what was fascinating is Disney waited until all the hard work had been done. And then in May of 2008, they swooped in and reacquired the now reconfigured retail chain. Oh, I didn't know that. How did I miss that? So Disney actually owns the Disney stores again. Yes. Well, (laughs) until, of course, what we were just talking about, the narrowing down to just the 25 stores now. Yeah. So they own 25 stores. Yeah. Okay. So this is what I've been hearing coming out of Disney corporate lately, that the Disney Vacation Club, much like the Disney store chain during the mid to late 1990s, has become kind of bloated and unmanageable. Like in in, in what way? I mean, we it's, we know that there's a, a dozen, 15, whatever the number is, DVC resorts. But what about that is bloated and unmanageable? Especially at this moment where we are in theory coming out of the pandemic. And think about all of the people who have banked points because all of the, uh. those resorts were closed. And now it's Disney sort of looking down the barrel of, I have all of these people who have bought into the to the DVC who have points that they want to use. Right. But that, and we have to clear that out. They've gotten the money. They've got the, the income. Now they've got these liabilities in the books and the liabilities are the points that they've got to They've got to satisfy in the redemption, right? This is what that comes down to. Clearing out this logistical nightmare now calls 
for something genuinely drastic. And that's the workaround that's supposedly be considered is selling off Disney DVC to yet another timeshare company, which ha okay. has other resorts around the world. Now, remember, if you, if we go all the way back to '91, when you know when DVC got up out of the ground with with Conch Flats and that sort of thing, that was what was talked about. There was going to be a DVC in New York for theater fans. There was going to be a DVC out in the Rockies, so you know for people who skied. And and we did get uh, Vero Beach, we did get Hilton Head, and we we even got Alani. There is a ceiling to the number of people who want to vacation every year at a, at a Disney resort. This is kind of Disney shows redux. You know, the notion of bringing an outside company who's got experience in timeshares to run the DVC for a few years, get things running efficiently again, and then reacquire the operation. Only problem with that is look what's going on on the retail side of Disney right now. Oh, with Shop Disney. Shop Disney coupled with the fact that the 100-plus in-store Disney stores that Target will be opening. Target, right. Forgot about Target. Yeah. Oof. And, you know, the worry is right now that Disney's retail operation is going to be like Disney's gaming division. We own it. We don't own it. We're in the, We're in this business. We're not in this business. We're in this business. That's it exactly. And and the other thing, this is Bob Chapek's Disney company right now, okay? And right. I don't know if you saw him at the investors. Yeah. Uh, this was like, uh, so we're recording this on Thursday. This was like Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. And did you catch him referencing sports betting? I did. Bob, too, uh, has a very different vision of where he wants Disney to go. And DVC was started by Michael Eisner. And Bob Eisner, sure. okay. I, he kept it going. Well, so the reason why he kept it going, though, and you and I have talked about this before, mm -hmm. is comes down to satisfying Wall Street. We've, we've said before that whenever a DVC contract is sold, whenever a, you know, a consumer buys a DVC contract, that revenue that they pay up front, you know, $200 a point, minimum $100 point um, investment. So minimum $20,000 investment or whatever. That 20 grand gets booked under theme park revenue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there, so the reason why, you know, every CEO since Michael Eisner has continued to expand DVC is because it's a merry-go-round. And the first CEO who doesn't do that, who doesn't expand DVC, now has a hole they have to fill in their theme park financial revenue side. And no one wants to be the person who was caught when the music stops. Bob Chapek seems to think the way to fill that hole is hotels like Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. That's what I was thinking, okay. All right, so, all right, so let's say Disney sells off the DVC resorts. And let's figure out, first of all, what does sell off mean? They don't, they would, would they sell the physical properties or would they sell the contracts or both? Uh, you see, no, it, it depends, right? It depends. This is all of us on the table. This is one of those bathwater situations. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons this is just in the talking phase is that the DVC members are among Disney's loyalist fans. And, and oh, yeah, they've, they've signed up for, you know, 40 years of, of vacations. Yeah. When you talk with Disney and what's said online and that sort of thing, 
the term false entitlement comes up quite a bit. You know, the notion that the fan base has this sense of ownership that, again, you have an annual pass. You don't own the place. On the other hand, a DVC member does actually kind of kind of if not if not own, they're renting long term. Yeah. And Disney's hesitation here is that we want to fix this problem. But at the same time, we don't want to enrage these people who, in a weird sort of way, are our most dedicated customers, especially in the 50th anniversary year of Walt Disney World. So just because members of the investment community are talking about this, which means that it's out in the zeitgeist. But at the same time, remember, Disney had very serious conversations about starting its own airline, or for that matter, a chain, a nationwide change of daycare centers. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they kicked the tires, they did the investigation, and in the end, they decided not to do it. So yeah. so, so let me be clear. And the conversations that, that my friend overheard, I'm not saying that it was Disney ha- that was having the conversations. Mm-hmm. It may be a third-party company mm-hmm. who is interested in bringing this to Disney, right? So we're not, we're not going to say who's talking about what. No. But, he, but you, I want, you mentioned something, and I want to go back to it, because when my friend called me with this information, the first thing I did, I was in New York at the time, first thing I did is walk downstairs into my local coffee shop. And when I'm in my local coffee shop and I need advice, what I typically do is say something like, hey, does anyone here run a hedge fund? I have a question. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you know <laughs> when you walk into a coffee shop in New York and you ask, hey, does anyone here run a hedge fund? Because I have some questions. Mm-hmm. Three or four people will actually raise their hand. Mm-hmm. It's just the way New York is. There you go. Right? Love the West Side. So I... So I, you know, I'm like, hey, let me buy, let me buy you folks a coffee here, um, and let me run a scenario by you, right? And so the scenario I went run by them was a major multimedia company who happens to run theme parks, who also runs a timeshare division. They sell the timeshare. What do they do with the money? And the two answers that I got was hypothetically, if this was a major multimedia company mm-hmm. that happened to own theme parks and for which there was a timeshare attached, if they were to sell the timeshares. Hypothetically, that company could do one of two things with the money. They could investment invest it in a streaming service to get content to more people because streaming is a growth market, or sports betting. Oy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's... You could buy. You could buy either a sports betting company. You could partner with an existing company. There are lots of things to do. Also, Jim, I happened uh, to this person mentioned to me. Um, the interesting confluence of things here. Sports betting is very big in a town called Las Vegas. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yes. <laughs> Elvis did a movie about it once. Um, <laughs> also, the thing that Las Vegas has is destination resorts. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Jim, the, wor- the word that was bandied about during this coffee session was synergy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think about how proud when the Disney Cruise Line was announced, you know, that the Eisner underlined yeah. circled and indented the fact that there will be no casinos on the Disney boats, because that's mm-hmm. not what Disney is all about. And yet, you know, the, the weird sort of thing is, if you look over at ESPN, and if you look at the number of shows there that include information related to sports betting now, just in the past five years, that, that, that it's been oh, yeah. a noticeably significant change. So... Disney is drifting in this direction. And the fact that just this past week, here's Bob Chapek talking to the investment community about that's what our customers want, that that's what they're looking at. 
just that this is out there in some sort of a for, you know format and the fact that yeah the fact that the fact that there are finance people talking about it is uh, is super interesting i agree i agree there is one email that we got on this that you and i cannot talk about mm-hmm. the show. all right yeah fair enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that one for later okay <laughs> <laughs> all right but but it's just as a thinking ahead. That's absolutely. Kind of wonder what Walt would think of this, but at the same time, anybody who predicted, you know, or tried to predict what Walt was was going to do yeah. it, with the fool's errand, it's like, really, we're doing ski areas now? Okay, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about gambling in Walt Disney World. I have to think about that a little bit more. Mm. All right, Jim, I'm going to sum up this conversation by uh, saying this one more time. It's just speculation. Something was overheard. Uh, I don't want everyone to freak out that, you know, Disney's selling DVC. So don't, don't feel like that. I, I do believe there are conversations happening within some financial organization somewhere on it based on what I heard. But, uh, but this is far from uh, being a certain thing. So just let's make sure that we, uh, we calm everybody down here. There we go. All right. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including two new shows, on the histories of Disney's flying saucer ride. On next week's show, Jim's going to finish up the history of what Disney World was like 50 years ago this week. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who will be singing the Who's Who Are You and Minute Works Who Can It Be Now at Humane Indiana's sixth annual Festival of the Owls. Get it? On Saturday, October 23rd at 8 a.m. at the Porter County Fairgrounds in beautiful downtown Valparaiso, Indiana. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.